Hi there, and welcome to the Grief and Rebirth podcast. I'm your host, author and trauma survivor, Irene Weinberg, here to encourage you wherever you are in your healing journey. In each episode, I chat with incredible grief and trauma specialists, healers, mediums, and celebs, as well as remarkable people who have inspiring healing stories to share. If you're looking for a podcast that's both uplifting and inspiring, you've found it. Let us help you find your joy in life. Hi, everyone. Welcome once again to Grief and Rebirth Podcast. And have I got a treat for you. Do you believe in ghosts? Are you curious about them? Today's very enlightening and fun interview is with Julie Rieger, who until very recently was the award-winning president, chief data strategist, and head of media at 20th Century Fox. Julie was responsible for marketing such notable films as Avatar, Deadpool, The Fault in Our Stars, and The Book Thief, and she is also a member of the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences. In addition to all that, Julie wrote a book called The Ghost Photographer, a Hollywood executive's true story of discovering the real world of make-believe. This is the very powerful story of Julie's life that needs to be heard. By the way, Julie and I both have something in common. Just as I wrote a book and created this podcast to convey divine truths and messages of healing, knowledge, information, and power. Julie also has much divine knowledge that she is now going to share with all of us. Julie's world was all about numbers until she lost her precious mom, Margaret Hadley. This huge loss catapulted Julie to post-traumatic growth that included becoming a medium and a healer. Add ghosts, crystals, spirit portals, and more told with Julie's hilarious, irreverent sense of humor throughout, and you have an unusual, authentic, powerful, and hugely entertaining read that you will never forget. Julie, welcome to Grief and Rebirth Podcast. Thank you. My pleasure. Oh, my goodness. As many of us know, people come into their psychic powers in different ways. Grief was the catalyst that kick-started your journey. And ghost photography was the vehicle that opened you to the other side. And now you are surely experiencing grief again due to the new losses brought about by a sudden dramatic change in your career. So let's begin what is going to be our incredible conversation with this question. How is the grief you are now experiencing the same or different in your body and soul than other losses that have brought about grieving in your life? That is such a good question. You're actually the first person to ask me this question. Um, Well, aside from a few text messages, but for those who aren't aware, um, Disney just uh, acquired 20th Century Fox. And on day two of the post-acquisition date, there was about a handful of us that were um, severed. And I was one of those um, handful of folks that that was severed. And and honestly, I, I knew listen, many of us knew it was coming. Um, it's, it's just, it's business, right? But what's not business and, and how different this, I think this grief is, is what's not business is when you take a moment and kind of collect yourself and you think about 
for me, it's been 11 years and 11 years of going in and working with the same people every day. And it's not just working. I mean, you know, I, I wrote a note to my team last night. Um, well, it's not my team anymore, actually. So that's weird. Um, but I wrote a, a note to my former team asking them, you know, to all go out to dinner in the next few weeks. And I told them, I said, I have learned something from each of you and I love all of you. You are the work family that I chose. And that's where it begins because I did choose them. I was their boss. I, I either kept them on the team for 11 years or I hired them out. They were my team. And it is like losing a family is what it, it is. feels like. Mm -hmm. um, and, and the grief is, it, the, 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 I'm excited about what's next because who knows what it is and it will be awesome, whatever it oh, is. If you're involved, Julie, it will be awesome. <laughs> and it will be fun because I have to have fun. Of course. Um, but it's also at the expense of losing this. It's a connection. It's like a, um, you know, we're all corded right? I don't know if you've talked about people being courted in, in past episodes, but we're all courted to, to others. We're courted to our family. We have people, we have cords attached to us that we don't want, but we also have willing cords. It's like, I feel that it's being removed and there's like a hole and there's a comfort and there is uh, an ease to what my days have been and, and an expectation of what they would be like. And now that is gone. And today is actually the first day since I don't know when, I didn't have to go to work, and, and I'm almost 50, and that's weird. It is weird. It is weird. I just took a shower. I'm going to tell everybody, I just showered, and it's late in the day, folks. I just showered. <laughs> By the way, I want to tell people, Julie is in, is in California right now, right? I am. And I'm I in am. New Jersey, so... So it's later for you, but you've been showered for hours. I can right. tell your hair looks fabulous. <laughs> My hair's still wet. So I just showered. That's grief, by the way. Like I, it's what's so similar. In fact, I, not only did I just shower, I just brushed my teeth, which reminds me of the day when my mom died that, um, um, my, my brother had called me, asked me some questions. We got, it was not a pleasant conversation at the moment because what pleasant conversation do you have the day your mom dies? And I right. said, Tom, it's three o'clock in the afternoon. I don't know about you, but my mom died today and I haven't even brushed my teeth yet. And that's what it reminds me of. It's, it's the, uh, I have to sit with it so much. I can't even bother showering. Yep, that's grief. I, and I want to tell everyone when Julie's talking about corded, that we're all corded. I, she doesn't mean it like we're courting each other. She means like we have no. heart cords that are energetic heart cords that connect us to each other. And that's yes, what's do. so very hard because she has her, she and these people on her team have all developed very strong energetic heart cords with each other. Would you agree with that, Julie? Oh, completely. No, they're, it's, they're like family. Mm -hmm. They are, you know, it, family doesn't have to be who the, what you're born into. I mean, it's great if you like them, but you, not all of us do. You don't. It's great <laughs> if you do, but there's also the family that we choose. And so I am now in this this transition of losing the family that I chose that I spend, you know, a lot of waking hours with. And so it's, it's the people, right? It's also my boss. I love my boss. I'm crazy about my boss. Her name is Stacy Snyder and she is brilliant and eloquent. And she is, um, I mean, I, I actually wrote about her in, in the back of my book. I mean, I, I had a thanks to her. And so like all of these pieces. Um, so yeah, it's the goodbyes are grief. 
terrible. And you know what? They say love never dies, and your love with these people will never die, but it will have to take a different shape. It will have to, and that's hard. Yes, it will it is. undergo it. So it's a grieving. Yes. The real yes, grieving. Yes, it is. So from that, let's go to a fun question. Ah, yes. Fun. All right, here we go, Julie. Go to it. What exactly are ghosts? How did you get into ghost photography? And how do ghosts show up for you? And how many pictures of ghosts have you taken, for God's sake? A lot. Um, okay, let's answer the last one first because it's the craziest <laughs> answer of everything. And I actually think it's more now, but at one time when I counted, bothered to count, it was around 9,000 photos wow. of ghosts. So what is a ghost? You know, I use the term ghost very loosely, um, um, mainly because I didn't actually want to um, confuse people. I didn't want to call my book The Spirit Photographer because there's been some of that out there and also to um, regular people, us mere mortals, I can still consider myself a mere mortal, that um, the word ghost is like, I get what that is, right? Um, and most people think that it is, you know, a loved one who has passed or something like that. But a ghost, um, a ghost is a lot of things. A ghost um, to me can be someone who has passed. Um, a ghost can be even an animal that was once living. A ghost can also be an energy that's never been in a body. Um, it can be a high energy, a low energy. Um, you know, the, we, we have a hierarchy uh, in the spirit world just like we do on the planet. Um, and so I use it very broadly like that. So much of what I saw in my photos in the beginning um, looked like you know, creatures that pranced out of movies that I was marketing. It was a strange. It was so strange. It was. I have to tell you, it's still strange, and it's been a lot of years since it happened. But as I think about it, it's still strange. And, uh, and, and that's really what one of the things that really started my journey was, um, you know, once I lost my mom. Um, and it's weird. You say her name, and you're the first person other than, than my wife that says her name. You said her full name. My, Suzanne calls her um, Madge long story why but you said her full name and I felt like tearing up like it's because that's the other crazy thing it's like grief is not is not linear no. um and you just learn to live with it it's and to me it never goes away uh and because I just felt that and I thought I should share that is that when you said her name I'm like oh even though I still talk to her so it's just I don't think I answered your questions I go off on tangents everyone that's all so right you can tangent. I have two questions for you first of all okay, for everyone How'd you get into ghost photography? Oh. And tell them about the spirit hierarchy because they don't know what that, many people don't know what that is either. Got it. So how I got into it. It got into me. How about that? <laughs> it wasn't exactly something that I was looking for. Um, you know, and I think when you are on these journeys, listen, I didn't even know I was on a journey, even when I was taking ghost photography. So I'm not exactly even onto my own stuff when it happens. But, um, you know, I, I, I took a photograph one day when, when Suzanne and I came home from a trip and I sent it to um, our friend Brenda Villa, who is a brilliant, beautiful, magnificent psychic. She's an angel wrapped up in a human body. And um, she said, oh, she calls me her elf. And she goes, open your eyes, my elf. There's a spook in your photo. And I look at the picture because what I had taken a picture of was a, I call it a bird stain. 
um, you know, when a, a bird hits a window and you see like the, the dust on the oils from the bird, uh, even to the point of the beak, it was really strange. And I looked outside and there was no bird. So I took a picture and I'm like, oh, look what, you know, came to visit where we were gone, kind of, you know, flippant kind of comment. And that's where she first saw um, the ghost. And, and then it took off from there because I have a very obsessive personality and I don't leave anything alone. So I um, started taking pictures of everything. And that's when I started, you know, really seeing a lot more. But then I kind of freaked out because I thought there was a ghost portal because we are the, the, the studio that made Poltergeist. So my head goes into movies because we ruined everything. And um, so I'm out trying to protect our space. And then uh, one day I was burning sage and I put the sage pot down because I was a Girl Scout and I knew not to leave uh, anything uh, lit alone. So I started taking pictures of the smoke for some weird reason. And then I started seeing even more ghosts. Like the smoke was a canvas wow. for these spirits to like to see them better. And so then I got even more obsessed and every night I would go outside. It's so crazy. I sound crazy saying this, like somebody should lock me up. Every night I would go out and I would start taking, you know, pictures of sage smoke. Can you imagine being locked up in a cell with you? It might be a lot of fun. It would be a blast, by the way. I would be the best filmmate ever, and I would give you all my bread because I'm not eating carbs right now. <laughs> Tell them about the spirit hierarchy. The spirit hierarchy. Um, you know, when we cross – so I'm going to talk about humans first because um, I would assume that people who listen, Irene, to, to you um, have at least somewhat of a belief that we are spirits having oh. a human Experience. Absolutely. And so there's even a hierarchy there. So when we, when we are um, out of our body um, for good, we uh, aren't terribly different than we were when we were in it. We have personalities. Exactly. We have, um, you know, we have issues still. Um, somebody who was shy in their body is probably shy in the spirit world. Um, we people who were um, you know, probably pretty mean and evil. We're probably pretty mean and evil spirits. Um, so there's a hierarchy there. You know, there's like, um, and if those who have, who have read my book, um, will read about a woman named Mona. Um, and Mona was, was pivotal in my life and, and taught me more in death. But Mona, um, she ascended very quickly because she was so magical in her body. She was even more magical on the spirit side. So there's a hierarchy there. Mm -hmm. um, but you, you move away from, from, um, you know, spirits that go in and out of bodies. Um, you know, we, we have, um, we have spirits that really ne have never had bodies and they, they operate on a very low vibration. So I'm sure you've talked about vibration before. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and so if you just kind of have a ranking between one and a hundred, one being the lowest vibration, a hundred being God. Um, you know, you're going to have energies that, that vibrate on a one and those are going to be your evil ones. And sometimes they're in bodies, sometimes they weren't in bodies. Um, and then you can keep working your way up the hierarchy to your ancestors, to angels. Um, we have spirit guides. Mm -hmm. We can talk, well, I know we're going to talk about spirit guides. That is my favorite topic of all time. Uh, and, and then we work up to, you know, archangels. Um, you know, I just, half an hour, 45 minutes ago, called on St. Michael. I needed his help for someone. So I called on him. Um, I also asked God for a favor in that same session. 
Um, so you go to the highest of that hierarchy and you have God. I know people get uncomfortable. You say God. I don't know if your folks do or not. Well, we call it the universal source. We can because everybody has wants a different. To. People come from different places about it, but it's basically our universal source that informs all of us. I right? call him God or her, whatever. Or um, her. In my world, he's a she. <laughs> right. I mean, how could she not be? I think she's both. Right she's, there, you go. There you go. It's all, and before we will get to spirit guides. I want you to tell everyone, though, this is a great story about the ghost circus in your house when you started opening up the ghosts. Oh, it was insane. So here's the thing. Once you crack that door open, it just, it flies open, right? Like you look through the crack and all of a sudden, boom, it flies open. So all of a sudden, it's like a memo went out. It's like, okay, we got the lesbian here in the corner house in Sherman Oaks, and she knows we're here. And so they all come over to party. They were messing with our lights, like flickering on and off nonstop. They were messing, like the, compu the computer I'm on now with you, Irene, would turn on on its own, and it would find a song. And the song happened to have been a special song with somebody from the other side. Um, we had a heater that was turning on and off. I mean, it was crazy. And then also um, my wife, Suzanne, she's clairvoyant. So she sees and she would ask me, it's like every other day, uh, baby, who's the kid with the t-shirt on that's walking by the house? I go, what kid? She goes, no, it's a ghost kid, honey. Why, what, will you tell them all to leave? I mean, it was a ghost circus in our house. It was that's insane. Amazing. It was fun. I have, I have to tell you that when my husband first died, he used to be a fanatic with Monday Night Football. And I would sit in my office and at nine o'clock the tv would go on to monday night football and at nine fifteen, it would turn off for six months it was his way of saying hi i'm here <laughs> i love him so much i can't stand it that's the greatest story we had a friend that um uh one night suzanne was gone it was the night before halloween and she's such a funny person oh my god her name was pauna and uh just to mess with me um she opened up a door our side door because I had this thing about you know what we were in a barn shut you know close the door I had one rule in the house close the door so the cats don't get out and she opened the door and she went in and, and I know she went and talked to all the animals to tell them so I would freak out and I did um, because I heard her say because I'm not the best Claire audience like I, I have mm -hmm. it I have it even when I talk to um, uh, loved ones on the other side I'll get things about 98% right just because my clear audience isn't that great but I heard her go woo woo woo, woo just like how you heard me is that's how mm -hmm. I heard her and that's when I realized the door was open and she was just messing with me like they can open doors but they you have can hear them humor, in the hallway and funny right. oh, funny. funny my husband's hilarious and I mean when he first came through, he gave, he channeled through a medium, a, a joke that only he and I shared. How the heck could that medium know that? You know, that they're very, their, their personalities absolutely carry through. Well, and really, I tell you something really fast. This is very funny to that point is um, just recently, I, um, there's a, a very dear friend of mine and we can probably talk to her at, about her at one point because she's somebody I've met through my book who is, I just love so much. But her name is Shanna, and um, I connected with her great-grandmother. And I kept saying to her, to Shanna, and we were on the phone, I said, your great-grandmother's here. And we, you know, she, she said a few things to, for her to recognize it was her. Mm -hmm. 
And then I said, she had a nickname for you. And I said, you know, I'm not good at Claire audience. I said, and it, it's not like a derivative of your name. It's something else. And I go, ugh, I'm so terrible. So I said, but here's the thing. I go, I can't possibly be this, but it's Puddin. And she goes, that's it. My grandmother used to call me Puddin. Oh and, and she goes, how did you know that? And I said, because in the very beginning, she showed me a picture of my dog, Sookie, who I call Puddin. Oh, my gosh. Aren't they great? They're great. Well, my husband came through calling me cuz through a medium, and that was his nickname for me. See? (laughs) Oh, I love spirits. I mean, it's so fabulous. So good. Do people need to be afraid of ghosts, Julie? Are there good ones, bad ones? You're saying they're good ones, they're bad ones. So tell people. Yes, they do. Who are freaking out right now. Tell people. (laughs) I mean, really, do I have these? horrible, evil things that I can't see coming into my head. What do I do? Yeah, they can. I mean, you know, I, um, I, I think that I, I became very comfortable with all of this because I have had the privilege of standing in the light and I've had the privilege of, of witnessing the dark. Um, and the dark came a lot through people who found me. And so I um, got very comfortable very fast with it. And there is one, the most important thing that people need to understand is that when you are a spirit having a human experience, you're in charge of spirits not having one. So the first thing you can do, you don't have to worry about going to your local store, buying some sage, which I love sage, don't get me wrong, I'm a big sage fan, but you don't need tools. All you need is yourself. You have everything you need, period. So if you can tell them, if you, you can say to them, buzz off, get out of here, and, 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 they I have a super foul mouth, so just they people can insert whatever foul things I would could possibly say. Um, but yeah, I do. I, I tell them for starters, as you can say, um, if you are not here for the highest good of me or my family, get out and get out now. Mm-hmm. Um, you are not welcome here. And if you still feel like because you know everybody has their different powers, and whether they can see them, they feel them, they hear them, whatever it may be, um, you know, call on higher powers. It just do. Like if you are, if you're in a crunch, uh, I'm a big fan of St. Michael. He helps me all the time and I am a huge fan of God. And I will keep saying God cause I just, it's what that's I used your, to think. That's your source. That's yeah, your. I'm good. I'm, I'm good with God. So I use God and, um, uh, and, and I call on God. And so if I, if, if I'm in a place where I'm like, Ooh, I'm a little out of my, out of my realm here, that's who I call on. But nine times out of 10, I'm good with saying, I know you're here, so you can go. I recognize you, and I'm not afraid of you. You can knock stuff off my walls. You can do all these things, but you are not going to slam doors. I've had that happen. You can, do, you can try to make me feel afraid, but it's not going to work. Not with me, buddy. So you're out. Psychological, energetic, energetic psychological warfare does not work with you. It does not. In fact, there's a chapter in my book that I got in a big um, argument with the publisher about um, and my editor and pretty much everybody else I know. And I, it, it's the chapter that is called um, the, uh, uh, the Debbie Downer. This, it's a Debbie Downer chapter. And I wanted to call it The Devil is Afraid of Me. Um, and I wanted to call it that because that's how I feel. And do I believe in the devil? No, but I use the word devil as more general as in like kind of evil spirits are afraid of me. Um, And it was funny because they said, well, you know, that might trigger people. I said, if they've made it that far in the book, they're not going to be triggered by this. There's like 10,000 other things they're going to be triggered by before they're going to be triggered by me saying that the devil's afraid of me. 
Um, but the devil is very much afraid of me if you use it in a general sense, because, um, because they can't have me and they well, can't have my people. I loved your story without going into it. Cause I know it's a sensitive subject for you, but I loved your story about how a very evil spirit used psychological warfare on you to use a name that was a very toxic name for you as if to try to get power over you and it didn't work. No, and I'm happy to talk about it. So you tell me if you have the time, I will gladly talk about it. You want to talk about Ron? Was the name Ron? Well, we're going to, that's not his real name, but we're, Mm -hmm. yes, we are. Um, Yes, I, um, uh, I'll try to make it brief for folks. Um, A very good friend of mine named Alex. Um, uh, I have a thing, by the way, I get along very well with uh, straight white men in their mid thirties. I don't know why. Um, they have a thing for old lesbians. I'm not sure what it is. I must be a mother figure for them or something. You're um, fun. I'm fun. That's what it is. You're so fun. Alex is is one of my uh, mid-30s who I love. And uh, he calls me his mother from a, a, another um, dimension. And, and Alex was struggling with um, sleep paralysis. And sleep paralysis is where uh, you actually are back in your body from your astral travel um, before your body wakes up. And during that time, there has been so much documentation about people seeing the same thing or feeling the same thing, and they call it the hat man. Um, very impotent. I don't know if you've talked about the hat man or not on your show, but there's, um, uh, it's very similar stories for hundreds of years. And Alex was experiencing this, and so I was working with him on it. And um, the last time interesting that he ever saw the hat man was this phone call where he uh, he called me and he said, you know, that I had this thing happen. I saw the hat man again and we got this conversation. I'm like, well, okay. What? And he said, and I talked to him. I said, well, what, what did you say? And he goes, I asked him who he was and what, and you know, what do you want? And uh, his response is not what I had anticipated. I thought, you know, he was going to say, they call me scratch or, you know, some, something else. He said, tell her mm. my name is Ron. And I said, well, you tell him he can't have me. And I had a lot of expletives in that part of the conversation um, because he later said, who's okay. He said, fine. I see you don't like this Ron character, but who's Ron? I said, well, Ron was my ex stepdad who was very abusive to me. Mm-hmm. And uh, I said, if there's any word in the English language that would trigger me, it would be Ron. I know there's a lot of good Rons out there, so nobody take offense. Um, mine was not. And um, so it was interesting to me, and it was such a great experience to really understand the depths of what the other side knows, right? I mean, so we talk about, when we first started talking, of uh, these really great experiences that our loved ones, um, you know, have done for us, like your husband in Monday Night Football, or my friend's great-grandmother showing me my dog, because that's her nickname, Puddin', you know. It also happens on the other side. They can use things against you. Mm-hmm. And so that's what he was trying to do was use like, you know, how, how, you know, how can I scare her away from my prey is effectively mm-hmm. what he was, was trying to exactly. have do. And it didn't work. Um, because at that time, I would also figured out that I was not only going through the journey of grieving from the loss of my mother, who was absolutely extraordinary, but I was also, you know, gr- you know grieving my life things that had happened in my life that I hadn't bothered to grieve at that point. I guess I was probably 45 at that time. And one of those was dealing with, um, you know, all the issues that had happened with my stepdad. Um, So, you know, that's another thing about the other, you know, 
about about a journey, right? It's 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 also never about what you think it is, and yeah. that's what I certainly learned. Um, and one of the most powerful things that I learned was actually after I handed in my manuscript to Simon and Schuster. So uh, I ended up having to talk to Ron on the phone for the oh, first. Oh wow! Yeah, do you want a story no one's ever heard? Oh wow! Yeah. Yeah. So I uh, I had to. They asked me to get permission to use his name. Um, so I said, oh, you mean the guy that I haven't spoken to since 1982? And they're like, yeah, him. I'm like, okay. So I tracked him down, found him. I'm going to make the story briefer than what it was. But I ended up getting being on the phone with him. But before I got on the phone, I, um, uh, I, I looked at my, I purposely went to the mirror and I looked at myself. And I looked at myself and I said, I go, you are no longer 12. You are almost 50. And you're going to, and you are going to act. Um, with all the knowledge and all the insight and all the compassion, all the love that you have. So I got on the phone and that's exactly who I was. I did not time travel. I um, spoke to him and he, of course, was trying to, he was just as awful, by the way, in his late 70s as he was in his 40s. And, um, and he, he had made a comment to me about something. And I said, Bob, I got it. Oh, Ron, I mean, I'm just going to catch right, that. Right. I said, Ron, you're, uh, you are, um, I said, I've, I think I've learned one thing in this lifetime that I think is really important that I need to tell you. And he said, what's that? Like kind of sarcastically. And I said, I've learned that we treat people how we feel about ourselves. I said, so whoever it was that was abusive to you when you were a child, I am so sorry. I, am, I don't know if it was your mother, your father, an aunt, an uncle, a grandparent, whoever it might have been, but I am so sorry because that is the only, only thing that I can come up with for why you treated me the way that you did. Do you want to know what he did next? What did he do? Uh, he didn't do anything that you would expect. He didn't hang up. He didn't cry. He didn't, he, didn't, he didn't do any. He didn't yell. He paused and he said, now, Julie, I don't understand why Fox sold the rights to, uh, of American Idol to ABC. <laughs> Talk about a distracting. He couldn't face it. He couldn't. It was a bullseye mm -hmm. is what it was. And, and I handled it with with grace and mm -hmm. with kindness. And, and, and I told him on the phone too, I said, I just have to tell you that um, I am grateful for the lessons that I learned from you. I'm not grateful for the treatment, but I'm very, very grateful for the lessons. And I never need to speak to you again. What a classy way you handled that. Thanks. And actually from the, when they go low, we go high. You handled yeah. it from the we go high perspective with a lot of compassion as a healer. It's yes. wonderful. Because I was healed. Yeah. See, that's the thing. Well, you this know, was I, part of your healing. It was, it was very much because what's happened since then is that I don't, that energy doesn't find me anymore. Like I had met lots of him before, you know, like especially through work and had men that would treat me the way that he did. And, and it was until I could face that properly, it never found me again. Good for you. That's part of your healing. That's part of your journey. Yeah. This lifetime, I have a similar, uh, another time, another story, but I, another similarity to your story. Tell us about your unusual house cleaning services and the power of prayer. <laughs> <laughs> well, like I said, I'm obsessive. And I realized, because so much of what happened and what I learned was using the word instinctual is such a, a, a 
not a fair word to use because I think we use the word instinct or intuition and it's really one of our clairs, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that I kind of channeled um, the answers to problems that I didn't even know was a problem or needed an answer. And the first one was um, the Lord's Prayer. So I was raised Episcopalian in rural Oklahoma and boy, do I know the Lord's Prayer. And I um, uh, felt a presence and I used the Lord's Prayer and it went away. And then I started when I would go like clear, because I started kind of practicing with this, like I bet I could do this, like clear homes and things like that. And um, I realized that when I start saying the Lord's Prayer, that if any point in time that I either forget the words or I stumble, there is a negative presence that is there that I can then kind of deal with. So I decided to take my show on the road. I offered myself up. I mean, I was a hoe. I was like, anybody want their house cleared? Let me know. I got my little bag in the car. I'll come over. Just in case you think there's something roaming around that you didn't invite. Right. And even if you don't, I'll do it anyway, because odds are you do. Anybody with antiques, let me come to your house, please. Nobody, nobody knows to clear their antiques. Clear antiques, people. If you, want to, if you like old furniture, great. Clear them. Right. Um, right. So, yeah. So, I ended up to my show on the road. I went to, I mean, mansions, because I do live in Hollywood. Um, I don't live in one. I'm adjacent to them. Uh, so, I went to mansions. Uh, I went to trailers. I went to apartments, uh, condos, you name it. I went everywhere. And boy, did I clear some spooks out of some homes. That's amazing. And you say, so you could see what you were doing. You could kind of sense them, right? Or see them with the smoke. Yeah, I could definitely see them. Um, You know, I'll tell you where they hang out. So this is a little tip for everybody. Um, If you ever like just want to go and um, like the root of where so many, I think, uh, kind of congregate um, is around your electric panel in your home. Hmm. Um, because what I believe is that we have a lot of spirits that don't, don't know where the light is. So if you think again about energy and vibration, we have more electricity and electronics than we've ever had on the planet. And I think that causes confusion. Mm-hmm. And I more often than not, um, have to go clear those places in a home where the electrical panels are, um, because that's where they're hanging out. Cause they think that's like the vibration where they're supposed to be. Do you help them cross over to get to I the do. light? Yeah, I I've been with that. mediums who've done that. Yeah, it's really I do. interesting. Yeah. Tell us about how you learned about crystals and their amazing spiritual qualities, especially for divination. Well, I um, part of my part part of my journey, my unplanned journey. Um, I ended up taking some classes at this oh, my favorite place on earth. It's like better than Disneyland kids is me in this place called the crystal matrix here in LA. And I took crystal classes and I um, started learning about the properties and the healing properties and, and also how they're, you know, what they're made from. And I mean like the scientific part. And then I became a certified trans trans crystal therapist. So I started actually working on people. And um, so I learned so much about, and I started testing things too, but I learned so much about certain stones. And there's one stone in particular that, you know, if I could give everyone in the world a gift, it would be a piece of black tourmaline. Um, because black tourmaline is a stone. It's so interesting because um, my, those in my life that are on the skeptical side where I once was, um, need a little science to kind of help get them over the hump. And the science behind 
black tourmaline is that when a piece of black tourmaline, which is like one of the most prevalent um, minerals on, on, on the planet or in the planet, um, when it sits on its own, it holds a charge. Like you can measure electricity in this stone. When you hold it, it actually, electricity goes up, obviously, because heat makes electricity, right? Um, and, and Madame Curie um, actually studied it, um, as did Ben. Uh, I, I call him Ben Franklin. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, me and Ben are pals now. Um, but Benjamin Franklin also studied black tourmaline, so it holds a charge. And what I found is that black tourmaline has this ability to cast a shield around you in your space to keep negative energies out. And I find it to be the most powerful stone in the crystal kingdom to protecting you. It doesn't clear you, it protects you. So you must clear yourself first. Right. Important note. Um, but boy, Which does you can it, clear yourself through healing or through, there are many, many different modalities. Lots of ways that. you can do, yeah. you know, the one really easy thing for people to do is just run your hands through some Himalayan salt. Just run your hands through it. It will help tremendously. You can actually clear a lot of energies that way. Take a salt bath. One of my favorite things for people is get some Epsom salt. Some la- lavender, by the way, is clearing. It smells great, and it, and it also clears. Um, a lavender salt bath will clear you up and then keep black tourmaline with you, and you're good to go. I have black but, tourmaline all through my house. My kind of- I, I will actually um, send you some of my special black tourmaline that I get from the Himalayans. So I'll get your address and send you some. Okay. That's fabulous. I love that. And now you're going to tell everybody what a spirit portal is and how is it a welcome mat for both dark and friendly spirits? And how do you close it off to those dark spirits? You know, I thought I had opened a portal in our house because again, movie business, poltergeist, you know, we just make everything way worse than it is. Except in this case, I think it's actually kind of true. Um, So a, a, a portal is like if anybody's ever been to or heard of Sedona and the Vortexes, mm-hmm. I've been there. there. So oh, isn't it fantastic? Amazing. Is that so? You kind of imagine that there has been an area that's been unlocked um, that um, allows, like it's like a little tornado that allows um, you know spirits or energies to go in and out of that physical space. And um, sometimes people open them by accident because they don't know what they're doing. And I will tell you, do not play with a Ouija board. Mm-hmm. I've got, just don't. Don't play with things that you don't know what you're playing with. And that's a really big problem with people because they get curious. Um, and I think people who start playing with things, um, you know, spiritual tools uh, that they don't know what they're doing and they tend to open stuff. So that's just a word of caution for folks. But I will tell you the way to close it. It's actually very simple. Oh, yes, you have a question. Can I just ask you one question? When Would you say a spirit portal for people who don't know is where we go when we're going to cross over? Do we go through that portal? That I, I, I don't see it as that. Okay, so um, how do you see it? I see a portal as like a tear. Okay. Yeah. I see it as an unintentional. Like a tear, tear in, the sh- in the veil. Yes. that separates us. I see it a tear, as a tear. Okay. And um, you can picture it like with a door that's open that shouldn't be open. Um, but it, it's something that doesn't belong. That, that portal where we go back and forth is intentional. The portals that I talk about are unintentional. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it can be for all sorts of reasons. Like I fully believe that there are portals all over like Civil War sites. Oh, I'll bet. Um, cause there's a lot of, of spirits that are still confused mm-hmm. in those, in those areas. Um, but 
uh, the way to close an, an, an intentional one is um, you take a key, a key that's not used for anything important, right? I actually uh, will buy old keys um, and I will, because I love salt, I will clear them in salt. And um, all I do, because I know where there's a portal, I can see them. Um, I will take the key and I will turn it as if locking a door and I'm done. It is that simple. People think that things on in the spiritual stuff is like all complicating. Got to and it's there's a manual. It's like no, there's some of the stuff is pretty easy. If you want to get ghosts out of your house, tell them to get the hell out. If you want to close a portal, turn it the the opposite way. It's like this no, this and stuff is not brain surgery. Right. And if you want to clean your energy, lavender and uh and and Himalayan salt. And so take a salt bath. Like this is not tough stuff. Mm-hmm. It's like this is this is all this is really easy stuff. For all of us to do. But think about how people are listening to us on this podcast, Julie, and you're helping people. They're saying, oh my God, I maybe I should be doing that. So it's really wonderful. I take and see in everything I say, I also do. And that's really important. It's like I don't just sit and say, you must do this and that and da da. I do it all. I love a salt, like a, a, a an Epsom lavender bath. And before we had the drought in California, I was taking baths every day. Now we're not in drought, so I can take baths again. Um, but instead, what I would do is I'd put lavender on my body and I'd jump into, um, we changed our pool out to be a saline pool for this very reason. So I would swim in a saline pool every single day. Wow. That was part of my clearing. So I encourage people, if you have the resources to do it, and if you choose to, if you would want to, change your swimming pool to a saline pool and you can take care of it that way because saline obviously is salt. Um, these are, right, you, you think about it, it's like, oh, wow, that's kind of obvious, right? Like it's, it's, the, it's the easy, obvious things that are the most powerful. Um, I carry black tourmaline with me ever. I have a bucket of it in my car. I have it, I, it's everywhere. I, I live with this stuff. I have selenite. That's I love selenite. Yep. Right? Yep. Selenite tell them about tourmaline. what selenite does. Um, I am such a huge fan of selenite. Um, selenite, um, talk about clearing, it actually cuts. It can actually cut it because people deal with, you know, listen, we pick up, I, I call them kind of spirit boogers, forgive me, but that's what they feel like to me. Get attached, they can just slice those things right off. So I get, selenite's cheap too. You can spend 10 bucks and get a little selenite wand and wand your whole body up and down, top of your head, make sure you get in front of your body with your chakras, the tips of your fingertips, the, your, your toes under the bottom of your feet, your back also get a long piece. Um, and boy, that clears a lot of stuff out. In fact, selenite is the stone that clears other stones. Wow. That's fabulous to know for people. Selenite never has to be cleared and it's cheap. Both selenite and black tourmaline, the two most powerful stones to me for everyday use are the cheapest ones. So like, cause people also get a little afraid, like, oh, you go into a crystal store and it's like, oh God, this, this, you know, this crystal is a thousand dollars. It's like, yeah, cause it's a, uh, you know, 20 pound citrine ball, you need the $10 selenite over here or the $20 black tourmaline over here. That's great. Many of our listeners know that I received three profound messages that led to my own spiritual awakening. One of those messages was a voice that spoke to me during a tragic car accident. Tell us about your own amazing transformative divine intervention in the form of spirit voices that warned you of an accident on California Highway 405. Uh, Irene, that was the most amazing day of my life. And it could have been the worst day of my life. Um, I was driving to work. 
um, like I did every day, and, except today. Uh, and so weird to say that, by the way. That's called, <laughs> called grief, everybody. Um, past tense, present tense, that's part of the, the thing you deal with with grief. Well, the beauty uh, of every, everybody, the beauty of Julie is she's completely authentic, which is <laughs> so go for it, girl. <laughs> oh, I'm just going to grieve on your podcast. Um, <laughs> it's okay. Um, so, you wouldn't be the first person. <laughs> probably not. Probably not. You bring out the best in us, Irene, I think. Um, so I was driving to work and I, I, you know, LA traffic, there's a ton of it. And I was calling people. And I love to talk to people on my commute. And I had called five people. Nobody picked up the phone. And I had my radio off. I was just getting on the 405 and I had my left hand on the wheel. And as clear as you hear my voice right now, I heard, I heard a voice that said, put your other hand on the wheel. And I'm like, what the heck's happening? <laughs> so I put my other hand on the wheel. And then very quickly, I heard this voice say, if your phone rings, don't answer it. In fact, don't look at it. And then there was this beat. And after this beat, this voice said, there's going to be an accident. Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden, my hands are 10 and 2 on the wheel. And I'm, I mean, I, I have terrible posture. Well, I may mean, have mediocre posture. And all of a sudden, I'm sitting up straight. I've ever sat up in my entire life. And I'm looking around like, what's going on? And within 60 seconds, and I'm not kidding you with 60 seconds, because I know what exit I was at when I heard the voice. And then what had happened, which was the two cars in my lane in front of me collided. And so I, because I was prepared, I pumped my brakes to let the cars behind me know, because you know what can happen. The mm -hmm. cars behind you, they can, they can devastate you and it's out of your control. Um, and then I slammed on mine and, um, I did not hit the car in front of me that had hit the truck in front of it. And I got out to make sure everybody was okay, you know, and everybody was fine. Got back in my car and I call my wife, Suzanne, and I tell her what happens. And Suzanne said, um, well, who do you think? Well, first of all, she said, you're so calm. I said, I know. I said, that's what ha I was prepared, right? I was warned and I listened and she said, well, who do you think it was? And she says, you think it was Mona and Mona. I already mentioned was our friend um, who actually had just passed um, not long before that in, in a car accident and one of our closest friends of our life, actually. And I said, it was a man's voice. Like was, with me. Yeah. And right with you was a man's voice. Mm -hmm. And in a lesbian's car, I could at least get a woman talk to me. I mean, come <laughs> on. What's a girl got to do to get a like woman helping her out in the spirit world? So. Um, so she said, why don't you call Patricia? Patricia's the owner of the Crystal Matrix I had mentioned before. Mm -hmm. She goes, Patricia knows everything. Call her. And I said, okay. And so I did. And Patricia said, wow, I have never heard such specificity on a message like this. Because I mean, it was really specific. And she said, well, you know, it's probably your spirit guide. You know that we have spirit guides. And she said, you know, we are born with guides um, to kind of help us and to help you know, nudge us in life. And if we choose to listen, they can really help us out. And I said, well, it's a really good thing that this guide, the so-called guide helped me out because I could have really hurt the woman in the car in front of me. And she goes, oh no, baby. It wasn't the woman in front of you that your guide was saving, it was your life. Mm -hmm. And I went, oh crap my life right that was my life yes it was my because life. because there were more there was more for you to do they, it they, was they my life you, mm -hmm. well we don't see things that way right like mm -hmm. it's we just don't in our normal life we don't see things we, we don't 
you know, our frame is different. Our lens is different. Um, and for me, it, at that moment was, yeah, I could have really hurt that woman. And it's like, no, honey, it is your life that your guide was saving. Mm-hmm. And which I later met him. His name is Jacob. Mm-hmm. Um, and he is amazing. He's with me all the time. Um, and he's very handsome. He looks kind of like hot Jesus, just so everybody knows. Um, you know, those pictures of those depictions of Jesus where he's very right, handsome. Right. Um, uh, not as handsome as hot Jesus, but he's still a good looking guy nonetheless. But, um, uh, he helps me constantly. He helped me this afternoon with a few things. I mean, and I think he also learns too. Like, are you kidding? If you're a spirit guide, at this point, I mean, the, the first 40 years of my life, I was probably a super drag, but in the last 10 for him, I'm He's probably the best human ever. <laughs> He's like, oh my God, I hit the human jackpot with this one. She talks to me. Oh, I let him sit in the front seat. I, and I tell people, there's one time when I first met him and we were getting to know each other, I was making people sit in the back seat. I like, that's Jacob's seat. Get in the back, bitches. And they're like, what? I said, oh yeah, get in the back. Get in the back with the wolves. Jacob's in the front seat. Oh yeah, ask my friends. Well, that's fabulous. Um, so yeah, he hit the jackpot <laughs> with the humans. That's fabulous. Julie, hold on one second. And um, I just want to say to thank you very much. We're going to take a quick break to allow a minute for our sponsors who keep this podcast free for our listeners. We will be right back. We're back. Thanks for tuning in to my fascinating chat today with Julie. Let's continue on with this question. In your book, you introduce us to an unusual Claire called Claire Olfaction and the spirit named Rebecca. Tell us about your experience with her. Right. I didn't even know we had that Claire. I... And tell some of the people what the Claires are because some of the people don't even know a Claire. Other people are like, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. You know. Well, I thought Claire was that really crappy um, jewelry place in the mall that the teenagers <laughs> go get their earrings. Like, I had no idea what a Claire was. I mean, seriously, like this is the naive girl from Oklahoma that didn't know anything when all this stuff started going on, even though I lived in California. I've always been the naive Oklahoma girl, I think. But um, so Eclair, Eclair is actually the is French um, f- um, term for like, um, uh, oh crap, what is the, it's the French term. All right, help me out. It's the energy center. They're the it energy is. Centers, well, but it's actually, Everybody also, there's uh, are how you get information from the other side. There's clairaudience. There's clair. Oh, right, there is. But the, but the clair term, cognizance. Yeah, but the term clair. There's actually a French term for it. And 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 but what it is is like it is it is the it's the root of when we add to it. So when we have clair sentience, a sentient right. being is something that feels. So clair sentient is when you get messages that you feel them in your body and they can mm-hmm. translate into a message for you. Clairvoyance, voyance is seeing, like a voyeur, right? Um, and you have a clear audience, obviously audience is audible. So you can hear messages from the other side. Those are like the three main ones, but then there's all these other ones that I was unaware of. And, um, there's also clear cognizance, which is knowing things that you shouldn't know, which is like downloading of information. Um, like my friend Mona knew about the five, um, great world religions without ever reading a book. Um, there is also um, the there's clairgustance, which is tasting things from the other side, which has been a lot of interesting stories about clairgustance. For those that want to go um, search it and study it, it's pretty fascinating. There's a story of clairgustance where um, a, a, a woman would go into the pharmacy um, and and before she got her prescription, she would taste 
like this acidic kind of taste and she would always leave and come to find out that she was actually allergic to that medication that she never took and she never took it because she kept having this terrible wow. taste. Wow, interesting. Um, but, but the other one that I found um, is Claire Olfactory. And so Olfactory would be, um, you know, our smell. So I call it the smelly Claire. And I had gone um, on a field trip to um, uh, this mansion in, in the Los Angeles area. And I'm with my friend and teacher, Ima, and we are, and she said to me, she was going to be, be open to what you might discover. And of course, I think she's thinking I was going to see ghosts that day because it's kind of a notoriously haunted place. And we get in there and I, uh, we walk around a little bit and I just, you know, I got, I got the vibes, right? So I feel mm-hmm. there's stuff going on, but we get into this, the bedroom that was once um, of the owners. And I smelled this pungent, when you're on an airplane and somebody who's 110 puts on perfume and it gags everybody, that smell, mm-hmm. that was the smell. And I, I kind of walked around smelling people that were also on our little tour of the house just to see, or to smell, if you will, if it was them, right? Because they didn't trust it. And I'm going around sniffing like my dog Homer would do to me, like when he would smell like Suzanne baking or is cooking or something. And I'm like sniffing people and 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 because it, it would go away, then I would go back to where I was standing, and then I would smell it again. And I'm like, "What's going on here?" And then um, we moved to another room, and it followed me. Mm. And then I finally tell Emma, "I'm like, okay, I, I smell this god awful perfume." And so she comes over toward me. She says, "Oh, she smelled it as well." And then she starts sniffing people. So we looked like the crazy, like they just let us out of the insane asylum on this tour, sniffing people. And <laughs> it's like, can you imagine? Well, I mean, always right, colorful. Right, 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 always colorful. Picture, right? Like here I am. And I'm like going around sniffing you. And it's like, what is this crazy ass person doing? Give her a money back and tell her to leave. Um, so so this, this smell kept, um, kept following us. And so we get back to the carriage house and I had said to Emma, I said, Emma, I'm just going to sit over here for just a minute. Cause like this, whatever this is, is kind of freaking me out. And she goes, well, ask, ask who it is and what they want. I went, Oh, right. Always ask. That's another thing I learned. Oh, just always ask. If you wonder, ask. So I sat there, closed my eyes and I'm like, who are you? And she told me my name is Rebecca. And I'm like, Oh, well, hi, Rebecca. Can I help you? And, um, she just told me how much she loved this place and how she comes back to it. I don't think she's there all the time. I think like she's a spirit that's not lost. I think she just comes back a lot. And I think when people like me and Ema show up, you know, we're kind of like lighthouses. We're like a, a lighthouse, right? They know. And, they can tell. They, and they, they so know. And the thing about a lighthouse, sometimes it attracts a cruise ship and sometimes it attracts a pirate ship. And you just got to know that. And, um, so, so we had this like little conversation. I actually think she had a thing with one of the guys that was worked in the carriage house. I'm just going to say, I think Rebecca was a little bit of an adulteress, but that's all her. Um, so when we're done with the tour, we're talking to the ladies that volunteer at the, uh, at the kind of customer reception or visitor, visitor center. And I said, so, uh, who's Rebecca? And their eyes got big. And I said, she wears god-awful perfume. Her eyes got even bigger. She goes, Rebecca was the first wife. I go, ah, that makes sense. She had died in childbirth there. 
And she goes, did you say you smelled a really bad, I said, I smell this perfume. I'm like, it, it actually gave me a little bit of a headache. It was so bad. And she goes, somebody who volunteers here said that she smelled that yesterday. Mm. And I'm like, well, there you have it. Claire Gustens. I mean, Claire Olfactory. Claire Olfactory. And you Claire were, Olfactory. it was a validation for you. It was a great, I love a good validation. You know? I love great. a good validation. And tell us how you be discovered you were becoming a medium. And have you actually seen your mom? Yeah, I have. That seen has my to mom. be like awesome. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. I have. She's she's been amazing. She's she does um, she present as a younger version of herself. How does she present to you? You know, that's really funny you say that because people will say to me when I'm talking to their loved ones, they'll be like, "Well, what do you see?" And they always show me the version they want me to see. Right. And, and usually it's from, I think it's from some of their best times in, mm -hmm. in their life. And um, so one time my mom showed up and, I, and she had long hair and I'm like, I don't remember that. And I said, if you're coming to me with your best time, your kid wasn't born. So this is offensive. <laughs> and we, both had a, we had a little spirit laugh, uh, spirit humor, ghost humor. Um, yeah, she does. She does present herself younger, but she does as a joke for me. Um, she puts on her Charlotte jeans from the 80s because she spent 80 bucks on them and she wore them every day forever um and I used to make fun of her of her Charlotte Ford jeans so she always so puts she's gonna bust you she hasn't changed oh she, yeah no she's hilarious um, <laughs> but she's also very helpful um she's very helpful she actually helped with a friend of mine um that was going in for a cancer surgery and um eventually we got to a place where she uh let me know that uh the the doctor's uh, prognosis was actually incorrect um, and come to find out my mom was right. And, and my friend did not have to have the surgery then. That's um, fantastic. So she had a necessary surgery. She was amazing. Um, so that I, I think that I've always been a medium. Um, I didn't know what it always was. And that's the crazy thing. Um, I think I channel as well. Um, because things have happened to me because now that I know what it is, I can look back at my life and be like, Oh, that's what it was. Um, there are times when I didn't know what I was going to say, but I would open my mouth and something that would like literally fly out. And, and by the way, it would be genius, but I'd never thought of it before. Mm -hmm. Like it mm -hmm. wasn't mine and mm -hmm. I knew it wasn't mine, but then I'm like, ah, I'm genius, but I'm really not. And <laughs> I was channeling. You're channeling. Mm -hmm. I was channeling. And, and so I think I've always had it. And I think it's, it's, um, that's what people, you know, who really want to understand who they are is to kind of like really look at yourself. And see what kind of what your superpowers or your powers are. I call things superpowers because you know I've I've marketed Marvel movies, but um, to find out what your superpower is and your as a human, right? And your humanness will help you understand what it is in the spirit world. And I think mine was always mediumship, and so um, so I started to study it, and I started to practice, and I started to do it the right way, and I I learned, and it was years. You know, a thing that people don't understand. I think, because you hear stories of, of folks who I love, by the way, Teresa Caputo. I've had mm -hmm. dinner with Teresa, and I've seen her a number of times since. And I think she's a spectacular woman and very much the real deal for anybody who's wondering. Um, but, you know, you hear stories of people like Teresa, who was born with it, right? Or my friend Brenda, born with it. John, I was born with it. They're all like born with it. And everybody thinks all of a sudden you wake up one day and you can talk to dead people. And that's just not how it is. And there are some things that you need work. Like I, everything that I've been able to learn and get to has actually now has been work. Like I went to classes to learn things. Well, right, because you're refining this gift that you have, but you want to make sure that 
you're doing it correctly and you're getting safely. the right. And by the way, safely. Mm -hmm. It's like mm -hmm. the most important thing that people also understand is about doing it safely. It's like learning how to, to if you want to be a chef, you better learn how to use a knife. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you're going to be cutting fingers off. And so I learned, I, I learned how to use my knife is what I did. Um, because and if by you, the way, explain to people exactly what channeling is, because my book, a lot of my book was channeled, so I understand, but some other people may not understand yeah, what that um, is. Yeah, channeling is, well, I, I've actually written a kid's book that I channeled, um, and, it, and, and it is, for me, it's like they are just thoughts and ideas that are uh, like fire hosed through my head, mm -hmm. um, and I had to write them down. Um, there, and, and there are things that come out that are not, they're not like for me, it's about thoughtlessness. I'm not thoughtful during that time. That's what channeling is to me, but there are also brilliant things that come out. So they are probably, um, I think that Jacob actually channels things through me sometimes, mm -hmm. but I, he uses you, you, he uses your gift. Yeah, he does. Um, and he's really, he's helped a lot of people. Um, I think that I've also had some, um, <sighs> I'm going to say ascended masters. I'm not going to say saints, but I think I've gotten some information from some ascended masters because what is coming, things that have come out are not the way that I speak. Like the, right. the it's like an old language kind mm -hmm. of, thing. it's still English, but it's said in ways that I would never it's not you. talk. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's kind of like these, these masters, these spirits can use, they use you. I'm, I mean, we're being used. You're a vehicle. You're we're a vehicle being used. Now nah, we're being used. Yeah. I think, no, I'm just joking. Um, yeah, but I, that, that is what channeling is. Mediumship is different. Mediumship, I am, I am present, um, and I am having a conversation with a spirit. Um, because what I learned is the difference is channeling, you literally let them in. And with mediumship, I keep them at bay. Like, I have rules. Um, and Jacob helps with my rules because the second that you're ready to start um, talking to the other side, I mean, they want to pack in like the subway in New York at 5 o'clock. <laughs> I mean, they are all ready. Like, I'll be at a, at a restaurant, and I'm just like, leave me alone. Because um, I'll have somebody's grandfather or father or mother or somebody show up, and then all of a sudden, you see, like, their extended family and everybody else is in the, all, all, all the other diners. You'll be um, the new Teresa Caputo. You'll be walking oh, around to people great. saying, I've got this or this for you. It's, you know what? I, the thing is, I could, but that's bad manners. And, you know, she really doesn't do that in real life. But. Yeah. Um, but that's very bad. That's bad, bad manners. Um, because I learned throughout all this, um, I will only do things if asked. You that's must wonderful. Ask, you must ask me um, because that means you're ready to hear what it is. If I just blurt it out at you, um, that is bad karma because I'm then attached to your karma with it and I don't want to be attached to your karma. That's, that's a really good way to, to look at that, Julie. I like that. What was the inspiration behind writing The Ghost Photographer and how does your story illustrate the death can sanctify life. Mm -hmm. My inspiration, my inspiration, my inspiration. Um, I think why I started it is not why I did it. I actually started because I said to Suzanne, I'm like, these ghost pictures are kind of crazy. Maybe I should put together like a coffee table book. She goes, baby, no, nobody looks at coffee table books. That's a bad idea. <laughs> and I'm like, oh. She goes, if you want to do this, you need to write something. And I went, oh, crap, what am I going to write about? She goes, yourself, honey. I go, I'm not very interesting. She goes, really? You're not? <laughs> and I'm like, okay. And so I started writing, but 
what I found is that I wrote it because I needed to understand what I went through. It was my, own, I wrote it for my own healing for starters. I mean, I'll just be honest. Like I had to, right. It was my own healing. I had to see what happened in my life. Um, and to, it was sort of your way of connecting the dots. It, it was absolutely, yes. Thank you. It was absolutely the way of connecting the dots. And once I got that out and started really refining it, um, you know, it, because so much healing had, had already happened is that I figured that I couldn't have possibly been the only person to have experienced this. And I also believe that grief can very much sanctify life because I will tell you, you didn't know me before this. Um, um, I, I, I was, I was a, I was a pretty good person. Don't get me wrong, but I am, um, I'm a, I'm a really good human now. And, uh, because you know, there's karma and you're aware of so much more. Um, yeah, and yes, and I'm also aware that um, that I have so many. I, I have power, mm-hmm. and and I want to use it for good um, because good is not only good karmically, but you know why not do good? Mm-hmm. Like that, I always like I've, I've had people say to me, people who are mad at a boyfriend, husband, or whatever it is. I want you to cast a spell on so and so and blah 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 blah. And I said, you know, here's the thing: I can, but I won't. You need to understand that I will not do that. That is, I said, I I won't do it. One is that I won't. B is even if I did and I was stupid, if I had like a ball of tequila and somebody told me to do it, I'm still not going to do it because I know about karma. Right. I, and you and I had this conversation. I knew someone who cast a spell on someone. And when she bragged to me about that, I said, I am now going to detach from you. I cannot, I will not. I will not have anything to do with you because you are purposely hurting people with your gift. I'm out of here. I would not be a party to that. What did you learn about the other side from this whole experience? Why do you call love the ultimate superpower? Miss Marvel comics. Let's talk about that. Right. You know, it was so funny. That is, um, that is actually in the very end of the book. And, and I will, I'm going to tell everybody that I, it, it, it took me the longest time to write the last page, last two pages of my book. Um, mainly because I wanted to throw everyone a curveball because in the book, I was very funny because I am very funny. You're hilarious. You're hilarious. <laughs> and, um, and because, and I, and I, it was like that, like that is my nature. I, I can actually grieve and still be funny. Um, I want to tell everybody that this book is so funny. You're going to learn so much, but you were, I literally laughed out loud while I was reading it. You know? <laughs> Um, and, and, but I wanted to, I wanted to punctuate the importance of the journey, um, with the last, you know, few pages of the book and, and truly the hardest, but to me, weirdly my most favorite of the whole thing. And part of that was about saying that, you know, love is truly the greatest superpower, um, because everything about what I dealt with, um, was about feeling that I had lost love. And love makes us do crazy things. It makes us do amazing things too. But if you look at everything, everything in the world, what the one thing it has in common is it's love. It, it, it's the cause of wars. It's the cause of fights. It's the cause of, you know, people creating amazing things and art and all of those things. All of things. It, is, it is love. And, um, and my journey got me more connected with myself. So I dig myself more than I did before. Self-love, uh, girl. It, right? Um, I'm not obnoxious about it, but I think I'm kind of cool. 
Yeah. I'm a little cool. I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm all right. And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm pretty cool actually kind of hip. And, um, but it connected me with Suzanne even more. I mean, Suzanne, I've been together now 26 years and we've never been better. Um, it connected me with other family members and with friends. And I have relationships that are so incredibly deep and valid and amazing that I would not give up for anything. And so it gave, so I know it's a superpower because I feel so full. I can go through, if I, if I were severed from a job 10 years ago, I would be like, I would be sitting on the floor facing the corner, rocking back and forth. But I'm not. I'm not. Because I know that I have everything I need. Yeah, and you're supporting your love by all these people. And yeah. And the other thing is that you learn, at least I've learned, and I know you have because you're a medium, that the love never dies. So people who go on, our loved ones who die, they're not dead. No, they're not. And it doesn't die. And see, that's the, it, it's the, it doesn't. It's like the, and the love that I felt from the other side. It's like this, if no one can identify a moment that they have felt unconditional love, I ask them to look back into their life because it's there. Um, and the unconditional love that I have felt from the other side and from this side, because I've been very lucky on this side too. Um, is so extraordinary. I have felt it from my mother. My mother was able to say things and communicate things to me that she wasn't able to when she was in her body. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And to also know that, you know, one thing that Brenda taught me, um, and I hope people do read read the book about Brenda because she is so extraordinary. Um, But she taught me, she would say, you're perfectly imperfect. And I'm like, yeah, I am. I am perfectly imperfect. And it's like, this is it. Love me for what it is. And that's how it feels. And that's how I can feel in my everyday. That's how I can feel when I communicate with the other side. And so, yeah, love is my ultimate superpower. And since you're a healer, what's your message about the importance of healing that you can share with our listeners? The importance of healing. Because you've done a lot of it for yourself. Yeah. Um, Oh, the importance of, gosh. That's a, it's weirdly, it sounds like an easy question. So let me, let me him haw for a second about it. That's all right. Think about it. I'm going to him and haw, hmm, haw, him haw. Um, I mean, what's the difference of the wounded Julie and the Julie now who has healed so many pieces of herself? Why should other people want to look at their stuff and, and, and move through it? Peace. To heal, to peace. Because it's peace. I found peace. I'm so peaceful. I am so incredibly peaceful. Um, I am calm in a, in a, in a emotional storm that can be around me. Um, and look, my voice even changed when I do that. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like, I am peaceful. I, I, um, the, and because of the peace, the joy, it's like my life was always four color, but now it's technicolor. Mm-hmm. And so everything is bigger, like everything tastes better. Everything mm-hmm. looks better. Everything feels better. And you kind of take the debris. <clears throat> you, you get rid of the debris inside in a way. Oh my, that's perfect. Yes, you absolutely get rid of the debris inside. Um, and it's like, I, I feel like if, if to imagine like an open wound and like if you had a big wound, 
you know, on your leg and it, and it caused you to limp and, and you were forced every day to run, how painful that would be, right? And how hard that is every day. That's what grieving is and not healing yourself. And once you can heal, you actually can sprint. So instead of dragging your leg and limping, you know, I'm able to sprint. And I think that's, that's probably the, the best analogy I could give. It's the best thing to tell someone. Listen to this interview. Julie says, if you, heal, if you help yourself to heal, you will no longer be limping. You will be sprinting through life. And that really is a great analogy for that. And what is the most astounding thing you've learned that is contrary to what you once believed? <laughs> <laughs> okay, everything. <laughs> everything. Um, the most I mean, you grew up in a very traditional, structured world. I did. I grew up in a little town called Mima, Oklahoma. Um, and yeah, we were tiny, 12,000, I think, people in the town in, in rural Oklahoma. Um, um, I, um, I thought that the world was only things that I can see and touch and taste. I didn't know, I didn't understand about energy and vibration and how everything is energy. I didn't know that the power that I, the power that I could have, um, and just for my own life, you know, much less being able to help people. Like the, the, how it feels to help is the greatest I've ever had. Like I've, and I've experienced some extraordinary things, if you will, in life. Like I've, I've, I've won my whole life. Sounds strange, doesn't it? But I've won. I, from the time I was a kid, I was winning golf tournaments. From then I went into the business world, I, I was promoted so rapidly and I went through the ranks faster. I was the youngest VP. I was a VP at 27 years old in that agency. I, you know, at Fox, actually, in of all of Hollywood, I was, I, if I think correctly, um, the only uh, uh, president who is a lesbian in any film studio in Hollywood. So I've won, but the greatest joy that I have had has actually been when I can see someone start to heal from a loss, when I can see them and feel them um, start to shift. And the best ever is when they want me to teach them something and I watch them do it and I watch them make it their own and use it and watch how they start making decisions differently how they start behaving differently in the world and how my little spark lit their fire is better than any movie premiere is better than any business card is better than any trophy that I've ever been able to achieve in the physical world. You just described our mutual mission, Julie. That's exactly how I feel with this podcast with my book. Also, it's just like the, when I see how many people are getting help and how I'm able to connect people that way, it's just, just like with you, it's just the most amazing feeling. Because you know what the wound feels like. Mm -hmm. Like I know what a gaping wound feels like. And then I know also what it feels like when it's healed. And I wish that upon everyone. Like I wish that upon those that have been total and other, utter dickheads to me in my life. And there's a list, by the way. I won't go through them, but there's a list. But I actually hope for, I wish for them to heal. I hope for them to heal because I will tell you one thing for all your listeners. I have a suspicion you have a lot of listeners that are women. Is that fair? Yes. Yes. 
So ladies, I have something for you that I think is really important. And this is something that's not in my book or nowhere to be found anything I've ever written or said is um, know that when you're in bad situations, that everything is a mirror for us. And so when I've looked at my, the bad situations in my life, what I've, been, what I've been able to see are the things that I needed to fix or didn't like about myself. And that was also part of my healing. So when I, you know, getting over the loss of a loved one, it's like people like, you know, have you healed? It's like, no, 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 I, I have so much work to do. And, and that's one of them was um, being triggered. Well, what am I being triggered about? What is about that person that's triggering me? Because it probably has to do with me. More than There's it does that. something I have to look at. Yep. I need to go look at this. So let me go look in that mirror and see what it is. And us girls have a much harder time about that, I think, because, you know, it's coded in our DNA that we have been, you know, we're supposed to be seen and not heard. And, you know, we've been number two out of two for so long that, you know, for us to be able to look at something hard and, and to win out of it is not something that we've been taught. Mm-hmm. It's true. Absolutely true. Um, that's great, Julie. Uh, what is the main takeaway you want people to glean when they read The Ghost Photographer? I mean, they're going to read this great book. They're going to laugh their rear ends off. I, they hope so. I, I hope they I laugh. Because <laughs> everything tastes better with sugar, right? <laughs> um, I hope the one thing, if I could just pick one, is that you're in charge. You have power. You have all the power. Just you sitting there. You don't even have to be doing anything. You can sit on the couch. You got all the power. You got everything you need. You have it. Don't look to someone else for it. Don't look outside of yourself for it. You have it. Because if I found it, I can pretty much guarantee so can you. So look through your stuff. Look at yourself. Work yeah. through your stuff. And man, look in that mirror. take good care of you. And you do have that power. Where can our listeners find your book? And if they'd like to connect with you, how can they do this? Do you have social media links? Like people are going to, if they want to reach out to Julie, how do they do that, Julie? They, there's so many ways. Um, so my book is actually available everywhere. Um, it, it was published by Simon & Schuster. So it's in, you know, Barnes & Noble. And if you, hopefully you have an independent bookseller that you support. Um, and it's also on Amazon.com. Um, I did the audio um, for Audible. So, uh, oh, that must be great. So you, <laughs> you can hear me for six hours and six mm -hmm. minutes. Um, and I've heard, cause I have a hard time listening to myself, um, but I hear that it's quite animated, um, and an emotional read. So if you are audible, you can use me for your freebie, um, and how to reach me. Uh, there's a lot of ways. So I'm on everything and I will confess, I hate it all, but I look, um, the best way if you really want to connect is send me an email and you can send me an email to T H E J U L R I at gmail.com and it's the jewelry and I realized what a dumb email it was, but it sounded good. Um, <laughs> so it's the jewelry at gmail.com, but I'm on Instagram. I'm not very good at it. I'll, I eventually figure out where to find the messages, but I'm on Instagram at Julie Rieger writes. Um, I'm on Facebook, at Julie Rieger writes. I'm also on Twitter, uh, Julie Rieger writes. That's good. So um, I have all those. And I'm, ter I'm really terrible at Twitter. I think, I have a hard time because I don't like to watch news and I just, cause I don't like mean people and all that kind of stuff. And Twitter just feels mean. So I'm not on it as much. Um, Instagram's a good way to find me. So is Facebook. That's great. And your tip for finding joy in life. 
I know you're saying that your joy comes from when you can see someone start to heal and shift from a loss. Is there anything else you'd like to tell people who are sitting, listening to this and like loving what you have to say? And Yeah, I do. Go hug somebody. Just go hug somebody. I'm the biggest hugger and it is truly, it is, it, it, if I had to think of what my real, my superpower is a hug. I can heal your stuff through a hug. I can also tell what's going on in your body through a hug. Um, and also I win from a hug too. Um, just go hug somebody. Oh, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Julie, I don't want to end, but we're going to have mm-hmm. to come to an end here. So I want to thank you so much for sharing both the gift of you and your book, The Ghost Photographer, with our Grief and Rebirth podcast listeners. I have no doubt that our listeners already love you, and there is not a ghost of a chance that they won't also <laughs> love your book, The Ghost Photographer. It will surely expand their thinking tickle their funny bones, and give them much food for thought. I know I speak for all our listeners and wishing you well in this new chapter in your life. And as you and I both know, Julie, there is a wonderful new beginning for you and me that will surely be continued. My heartfelt thanks to you, and bye for now. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Truly my pleasure. <laughs>